Yes and is a mantra that can be applied to every aspect of your life. These two words are ground zero for all creativity. These two words will help you shut down fear. These two words can change your life if you'll let them. Yes, I'm serious. And this podcast is on a mission to show you how. I'm Judy Holler, the host of Yes And. If Dr. Dre and Amy Poehler had a baby, um, that would basically be me. Listen, if you're looking for a no BS approach to life, business, and your mental health, then you are in the right place. So welcome to Yes And, where we smash comfort zones and navigate the unscripted stage of everyday life together. This is a Soul Fire production. You are listening to episode 46 of Yes And. Hello and welcome back or welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for spending a little slice of your time here with me. I love spending it with you and I love creating these episodes for you, no doubt about it. And I also love seeing your tags on Instagram of you sharing the episodes you love. Oh my God, keep doing that. Keep tagging me. They are my fave. They give me so much joy uh, in these really weird, dark times. So I love to hear you listening and loving and liking and sharing the podcast. And you guys, oh my God, today's episode is full of so much goodness. I have my friend Harris the Third on and I am beyond excited to share his vibe and his wisdom with you. I first heard of Harris when I attended my first ever story conference in 2019. Yes, the story conference, as in like, tell me a story. So story is a three-day event in Nashville each year, and it's for artists and creators and makers and marketers and storytellers to get inspired to meet each other and to be in community. And let me just tell you, Fear Boss, it changed my life life. And yo, it was actually even a fear experiment for me in 2019. I went by myself and I soaked up every inch of that event. I laughed, I cried, and I left with a notebook full of ideas I could not wait to get after. Okay, so that was like the fall of 2019 in September. So then a few months later, the first week of January this year, Harris, the event creator, hosted this like 2020 new decade, let's go get them pep talk for the story community. And it was a free event. And he invited the top five speakers from the event in September 2019 to join us. And the big idea was that the top five speakers from that event would like pep talk us with ideas and inspiration as we prepped for the new year and the new decade. I mean, who knew the world was going to go crazy and blow up on us? That aside, dude, I was pumped. So I attended this like pep talk live. And at the very end, Harris announced that he was going to open up like a high level private mastermind with him. And he was only taking eight people. And those of us that were there live until the end got like first access to apply. And I like felt this jolt throughout my whole body. I knew, I knew I had to do this. I had just ended uh, my last coach. So I was on the hunt for a new coach and a new mastermind. And I felt like this was the sign I had been looking for. So I applied, I went through the interview process and boom, your girl was one of the eight. And so we started in January, this mastermind, like January this year, January, 2020. And we went through COVID, the pandemic, and all the loss, all the trauma, and all the pivots of our world and our businesses together. We came to the mastermind for one thing, but we ended up getting and needing something entirely different. It was magical. And Harris, Harris, was at the helm. He led two groups of four entrepreneurs and creators through it all. So we'll talk a little bit about that in our chat today, but let me tell you, Harris knows how to see like right into your soul. He 
asks the best questions. He's the deepest thinker. He is so full of wisdom and, and he is on a mission to help us all unlock our own wonder switch. After traveling the globe and making a million dollars, a million dollars by the age of 21. Yo, I'm trying to think about what I was doing when I was 21. I was probably smoking cigarettes and drinking like a 12 pack of Natty Light. This dude is a master illusionist and was traveling the world making millions of dollars. But here's the thing, only to go bankrupt a year later. So he made a million by 21, went bankrupt by 22, and he ended up kickstarting a decade-long journey to understand the stories we tell ourselves and how they drive all human behavior. He is armed with this like beautiful, unique perspective, and his career re-exploded as a world-renowned speaker, storyteller, and entrepreneur. So in today's episode, I get Harris on the Fear Boss airwaves, and we go deep. So we talk about the surprising science behind stories, the stories we tell ourselves specifically, and how they shape our lives practices for writing your story. And I mean writing, R-I-G-H-T-I-N-G, your story from a broken narrative to a restored one. The secret, we talk about the secret to breaking out of these limiting mindsets and developing a wonder mindset. We talk about practices for moving from complacency to curiosity, because you know a fear boss does not do basic. So we talk about that. We talk about worry and anxiety and how worry is really a misuse of your imagination. Oh my God, I loved that. Worry is a misuse of your imagination. We're going to talk about how to kick that habit. And we even talk about traveling during COVID. He and I both work as professional speakers. He and I have both gotten back out onto the road a little bit and how we're approaching that and doing it safely. Okay, so before I jump into the interview, you know I got to shout out our fear boss of the week, who is Nikki C. Nikki C left a review on iTunes on October 29th, and she writes, I've been addicted from the start. This podcast is full of motivation, and that is exactly what I needed. After listening to one episode of hers, I ordered the book and the workbook. I can't get enough. I feel like Judy is my soul sister. And the best part, she loves rap music as much as I do. Check out this pod. You won't be disappointed. Hashtag fear boss for life. Well, Nikki C., you are a fear boss for life. And oh my God, I'm so grateful for that awesome review. So Nikki C, send me a DM on the Instagram with your best mailing address or email me anytime at hello, hello at judyholler.com. That's one hello, hello at judyholler.com. So I can get a fear boss surprise swag bag out in the mail to you ASAP. And if you want to be the next fear boss of the week, all you got to do is leave a review on iTunes. It's that easy. Every week, I'm picking one of you to be the Fear Boss of the Week. Okay, Fear Boss, I am so excited for you to meet Harris. Are you ready? Are you ready? Let's do this. Here is my inspiring, deep, and very brave conversation with the one and only Harris III. Harris, my man, I'm so glad you're here. I am excited and fired up to be here. I know. This is so good. So, like, Harris led the mastermind that I was in for my gosh, seven months. I think we got an extra month with you. We did like the like <laughs> victory lap party at the end, but I joined a mastermind with Harris in January and we went January, February, March, April, May, June. And then I think we did our wrap up like late July, early August. So y'all that was through COVID through mm-hmm. the world on fire. And I just feel so grateful for that experience. So Harris we have to start with the card deck story. The fact that I joined, I wanted to join the mastermind with you and four other um, storytelling creatives because I thought I wanted a card deck. And boy, didn't I leave that mastermind very differently. (laughs) I mean, what do you have to say about the card deck? (laughs) Uh, I mean, none of it is surprising. You know, I there's always these, these things that people think they want. And then as you start to peel back the layers, wisdom tends to kick in and you realize that they're solving for a very different problem than they realized they were. And so, you know, as with a lot of masterminds, we encourage people to bring some sort of challenge to the table. Sometimes people bring a project like you had in mind and that project tends to change. Um, But it props to you for staying open-minded and curious and 
letting your wonder guide the way, even if that meant looking in the mirror and going, oh, I was wrong. This is not what I want. This is not what would serve me best right now. It was pretty cool to watch you do that. Yeah, thank you for that. And thank you for leading me on that journey. And what was so interesting about it, and if anybody's listening right now, and they um, have ever thought about a mastermind or wanted to mastermind or, you know, are curious about coaching. This is why, or hiring a coach, this is why it's so impactful because what I ended up finding out, like I had all these projects and I'm like air quoting here, projects that I wanted to get done. But what you taught me and what I discovered was that I was the project and that project was me. And it was really an experience of self-trust, self-love, evolution, and really um, staying curious and open to the possibility of what wonder could look like in my life and in my business as I evolve as a human being, as a brand, as um, someone who loves to create. And so thank you for just that permission. You know what I mean? You really yeah, opened yeah. up my sense of wonder, which is why we're here today. And I can't wait to talk about it. But I, I genuinely <laughs> like my hand is on my heart. Like, thank you for that, Harris. It was, you're welcome. I'll never forget it. Yeah. yeah, you're welcome. Thanks for participating. And just to be clear, in case there's anyone listening going, wait, do I need to be the project? That doesn't yeah. mean that you were broken, right? The yeah. goal was not to bring you in and fix you. There was nothing broken about Judy. So when I say that we are the project, it means that we're always works mm. in progress. We are. Um, and we have to learn how to praise that process of growth and becoming better in our personal and professional development. Um, totally. So yes, you are the project, but not because you were broken, just because mm. we can always get better. Thank you for that reminder. And again, man, this is what Harris does. He'll drop some knowledge bombs. You'll get on these calls and he'll say something and peel your soul right open, which is what your book did to me on so many levels. So Harris, I have to begin uh, by just saying thank you. Like, thank you for your honesty, your vulnerability, your wisdom. I read in the book that you were always on a quest for wisdom and I can consider you to be one of the wisest <laughs> mentors I know. <laughs> and I just really thank you for fucking doing it. Like you uh -huh. did it. And I know that had to be hard. So how are you feeling? You're how many months into your book being out into the world? Oh gosh, I don't think it's even been a month yet. Uh, it came out October 13th. So yeah, we're coming up on the one month birthday. Pretty exciting. Mm. Feels great. It's so good. So can you tell everybody, so you got the endorsement from Seth Godin when we were masterminding together and I'll <laughs> never forget you putting it in our Slack being like, guys, you'll never believe, but it wasn't the endorsement that geeked you out. It was what he said after that. Can you tell us what Seth Godin said about you and your work on Wonder? Oh, goodness. Yeah. I feel like I'm pulling back the curtain. I hope Seth would be okay with that. It came at the end of the business day. I was sitting at our kitchen bar. My wife, Kate was making dinner and I was like going through my phone last few checking for the day before putting it away for dinner. And, um, I saw Seth Godin pop up incoming. And every time I write to him, he's always written back, which is, you know, always another does. Whole story. I don't know how he does that. Like yeah. I can only imagine how many emails he gets. So the fact that he always responds is incredible. Um, and I also asked him about that and he told me not to say that out loud because then he thinks more people will email him with the expectation. Well, I've heard him, to be honest, I've heard him it. say yeah. it. I've heard yeah. him say it. He said it. Um, I feel like it, it, he said it in one of his daily blogs. I remember reading it years ago and he says he responds <laughs> to everything. And I remember thinking at that time, no way. And yeah. I've reached out to him twice, once for an event we wanted him to speak at, we were going to hire him. Mm -hmm. And, uh, the other one was for my book and both times gratitude, respect, yeah. love, and maybe that's yeah. changed, but I don't think you made that up out of nowhere. Anyway, back to you yeah. and yeah. what he said. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm just sitting there and I see an incoming email. I was like, wow, he responded again. But I was like, mm. oh no, this is him responding to me, sending him a copy of the book and asking him what he thought of it. Mm. Um, and just kind of, it was also, it wasn't just a, Hey, what do you think of this? And would you ever consider endorsing this? It was also just a thank you note of, hey, so much of my work and my life so far has been inspired by the way you as a thought leader and a mentor from afar has shaped the way that I see the world. Um, and so I was just like, I don't know, what do I do? Do I open this now? Because it could ruin the rest of my evening in terms of my disappointment. Mm. <laughs> um, and obviously you can't, you can't help it because sure. again, it's wonder, right? Like I wonder what he was saying. I was so curious. <laughs> um, and so I clicked on the email. And all I could read on my iPhone at first was not his blurb that he wrote, 
but the, the paragraph above it, and he just started with Harris. I am blown away by this. Um, and I instantly I was like, oh, I looked up from my phone, didn't read the rest of the email. And I started crying and Kate's like, what? <gasps> I was like, Seth just responded to my email and he said he was blown away by my book. Mm. He goes, is he going to endorse it? And I was like, yeah. And he goes, what did he say? I was like, I don't know. And I had to go back and like open the email because I didn't care what he said for the public. Yeah. Um, it, it was, that was for you. It was for me and the inner critic that was mm. raging war inside of my head that I was constantly like fending off and holding at bay, something that we all have to do throughout the creative process. Um, and even though I'd succeeded that enough to complete a book, you know, in that long space between the time that you finish and turn it in and your editor oh. signs off on it and the time that it hits bookstores and Amazon and people's mailboxes, mm. you know, you're, you're sort of wondering like, but is this genuinely going to help people? I'm proud of this work. I put so much effort into it, but is, is, are people going to be able to latch onto this? And for a leader that I hold in such high esteem to not just be willing to endorse the book, but to say, wow, Harris, I'm blown away by this. It was yeah. wind in my sails. It was, and it, the timing was incredible. It was just mm. a boost of encouragement. Um, and it allowed me to step into this season of talking about the book, promoting the book uh, with a little bit less concern of the judgment that comes from people who are annoyed by how much people promote things. It gave me the belief in myself um, that I needed it when I needed it. Oh, okay. Let's talk about something you just said there. People being annoyed by how much people promote things, right? <laughs> so here, so, and you also referenced the inner critic and a lot of fear bosses in our community, uh, 80% of the audience, women, we definitely have some male fear bosses, but there's this big conversation around the inner critic and imposter syndrome and, oh my gosh, and who am I? And why should I, and how dare I put myself out there and the shame and the guilt for promoting yourself while also um, being proud of the things that you're creating. So you're a guy, <laughs> you are a male who has written a book you feel it too. You feel that imposter syndrome, it sounds like. And tell me a little bit about how you're handling having to promote yourself a little bit and talk about your book and put it out there in the world. Because Harris, if I don't know what it is that you want or what it is that you need, how can I help you get it? And you've spent your life's work. This is a book that has come out now, but the stories in this book are your life's work and they prepared you for this moment. And I feel like you are stealing from the universe if you are not out there shouting about this book from the rooftop. So I know it's always made you uncomfortable to like promote your own stuff. And so tell me how you're working around that to put your work out into the world. Yeah, I agree. Um, yeah, it's a lot of it has to do with what I talk about in the book, which is writing my story. And by writing, I mean, R-I-G-H-T. I had to quite literally write and correct the wrongs mm. in my story, these lies that I got led to believe. And those lies are what get in the way of crushing our wonder. Um, and wonder is, you know, essentially a state. It's a noun, but when it becomes a verb, it's curiosity. So curiosity is simply wonder in action. And Brene Brown talks a lot about curiosity in her work. And she says that Choosing to be curious is choosing to be vulnerable because it requires you to surrender to uncertainty. Um, and I think a lot of it was that it was fears that were rooted in these untrue stories that I told to myself. And I told those untrue stories, those lies to myself because other people told those stories to me. And so in the past, I have experiences of other people judging me for being too self-promotional or that I was doing something simply for my own benefit or for my own good. And so those experiences, which again, is a minor form of trauma. Trauma has this weird vortex around it of misunderstanding. Um, but because of that trauma, I didn't have the ability or the maturity. I wasn't armed with the knowledge and the truth and wisdom to respond to those experiences. And so therefore they broke my narrative, led to some untrue stories. I repeated those back to myself. So to be able to step into promotion of something that I believe in, I had to correct those stories. I had to go back and rewrite them and stop believing those lies and replace them with the truth. Um, and speaking of Bernie Brown, you know, she's also the one that made me aware of talking about that Roosevelt, Theodore Roosevelt quote about being in the arena. It's, it's on kind of, my computer right now. Really? It goes with yeah. me everywhere. It sits right yeah. here. Yeah, it's kind of been one of my mantras right it, uh, lately, but this idea that it's not the critic who counts. Mm. It's not the man who points out the strong man uh, when he stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better, right? Uh, yeah. The credit belongs to the man in the arena who's actually in there. I think he says marred by 
dust and sweat and blood, which as a man, I love that. Uh, and so as, I'm in it. I'm in as there. a female. I love that. I love that. Let's get dirty, you know, because it, yeah. it requires work to do brave things. Yeah, yeah, totally. And I the more that you do brave things, just mm. like making any muscle grow, the more practice you have at doing hard things and then looking back and going, OK, I didn't do that perfectly. Um, but gosh, dang it. Like I did it. Yeah, damn right. I wanted to be. I did it and it was scary, but look at these people who responded with love and generosity and gratitude. Um, like you genuinely helped people when you did that. And if you do that enough thing, enough times, you start to grow that muscle and it helps you become more curious. Um, mm. And uh, I was listening to, I don't want to get too much on a Brene Brown kick, um, but I was listening to Dare to Lead, a section of it this morning, her book. Um, and she was talking about how vulnerability is the greatest casualty of trauma. Um, and I loved that Ooh. idea because if choosing to be curious is choosing to be vulnerable, but we have unresolved trauma in our stories, a part of our story that we haven't made sense of yet, then the greatest casualty will be vulnerability, which will keep us from being curious. So it's all connected. It's all connected. Brene, I'm telling you, I always make the joke. Brene is like my Beyonce. I am a big fan. Bow down. And, you know, something you just um, spoke about you know, fear boss, if you were picking up what Harris was putting down, the muscle grows, that, that brave muscle grows every time you, you step into that arena, keep moving forward and you trust yourself. And those are our fear experiments. That's us running the drills. That's us choosing to get uncomfortable in order to live and earn a more comfortable life. So uh, I really, really loved that, but I want to talk about trauma for a second. So Harris, are we in trauma with everything going on in the world? Wouldn't you think that we're in freaking trauma right now? Tell me about your perspective on that because the world is a shit show and there's a yes. lot of people that have lost a lot of things from jobs to freedom to actual human beings. Um, so, so tell me what your perspective on us and trauma right yeah. now. Yeah, sure. Are we in it? Yeah, we are. I, I think it's probably a little bit unfair to say that we are all experiencing trauma right now, mm -hmm. um, you know, based on how uh, prepared you are to respond to something like a global pandemic and how much, you know, havoc it wreaks on your life may or may not have the same impact on everyone, but I think a good majority of us are experiencing right now what we will look back on in hindsight as trauma. You know, trauma is quite literally our brain's inability to make sense of an experience, a story. You know, narrative is what drives all human behavior. Narrative is the operating system of our brains. We think in story, we tell ourselves stories to make sense of the world. And if we have an experience, we tell ourselves a story to make sense of that experience. Well, if the story, struggles if we're like i can't i don't i don't understand this is not the way i thought the world was supposed to work or this is not the way i thought someone was supposed to treat me this is not the way i thought human beings were um, that is trauma and because trauma is stored in the lower third limbic system of our brains the part where a lot of active storytelling takes place then we when we have an experience of trauma without resolving and restoring that broken part of the narrative it will always feel as if that thing that happened then is happening now and so that's my concern is that a lot of people don't make sense of this part of our story and therefore they won't be equipped in the future to respond to what this season brought up. Mm -hmm. And it will turn into a lot of irrational fear, worry, and anxiety um, that just isn't necessary. Um, and as I talk about in the book, you know, I think that's a misuse of imagination. And so we need people who can recapture their imagination to use it the way it was intended to innovate and create amidst all of this forced change and innovation as opposed to being taken captive by it um, and sit around in the corner all day, twiddling at thumbs or doing nothing because they're so overruled by worry and anxiety. Mm -hmm. That's one of my favorite things that you said in the book, of course, but I heard you say it in the mastermind. And I think this was something that came up as we were sort of figuring out how to move through the madness together as a group and as individuals. But I'm gonna say it again, because it's so important as someone, I mean, this podcast is in the mental health category and I've struggled with mental wellness and well, anxiety and uh, depression most of my life. And so I believe that in order to live a brave life and to do incredible things, uh, we we have to have confidence and courage, of course. But we also have to really think about our brain and our mental wellness is one of the most important muscles in our body. And so when I heard you say in your book and in real life during the mastermind that worry, it worry is a misuse of your imagination, I was transformed because I, I instantly went, 
okay, I could take all of this worry and these dramatic stories that I'm telling myself about shit that has, hasn't even happened yet. And I could take that same energy and rewrite a new story and create a new play and design something spectacular and kick open that door of wonder and possibility instead of that door of fear and anxiety. And so one of the things that came up a lot in our mastermind was that we were going to create our way out of this mess. And what was so fun is that all of us literally did that. And I continue to use that as an, an anthem, you know, worry is a misuse of, of my imagination and my imagination is so damn important now and into the future and that you can create yourself out of any mess, if you're willing to sit down and do that hard, uncomfortable work that opens the door to wonder and possibility. Yeah. I mean, the biggest myth about imagination is that it somehow becomes dormant or inactive, that it's mm. super activated when we're children. And then as we grow up, it sort of like fades away and becomes less active. And that's just not the case. Imagination is simply a sort of futuristic you know, virtual reality flight simulator. It's, it's, yeah. you, you're, you're not always uh, aware of it. Sometimes this is happening outside of your conscious thought, but your subconscious via your imagination is always fast forwarding in the story that you're in. And it's doing that to keep you safe, right? Like if you're riding down the road in a car, and you're in the back seat or the passenger seat and someone else is driving recklessly or tailgating the person in front of you, your imagination is fast forwarding in that story. And it's going, okay, what if, what if, what if this happens? What oh, hundred percent. What happens next? And if it feels good about what happens next in that story, then you're going to feel safe. If it doesn't, if your imagination sees the story ending with you hitting the person in front of you or ending up in a ditch, well, it's going to feed those images back to your nervous system. Your nervous system is going to sign a signal uh, throughout your body. Your palms are going to get sweaty. Your heart's going to start beating a little bit faster. And we just have to be really careful about taking control to understand how much agency, agency we have over writing those stories, how much power we have to take back the script and go, but I don't think that's how I want the story to end. And so I'm going to take control of this situation by saying, Hey, driver, I don't like the way you're driving right now. Or can you pull over and let me out of the car? Now that's not a very exciting example. It's an example that will keep you safe and save your life potentially, mm -hmm. but we can apply the same line of thinking in our creative work. When we feel our imagination being captivated by worry and anxiety, we can take back the pen and go, no, that's not how I want to write this story. I don't like the way that story ends. I have power. I have agency over this story writing process. And so I'm going to spend my time allowing my imagination to create a more hopeful, optimistic vision of the future so that cognitive dissonance can kick in and the rest of my brain and body can go to work at making that future a reality. Okay, Fear Boss, I'm going to pause right here to have a little conversation with you about CBD. Yes, CBD. Now, I have been using CBD to help me manage my anxiety. I have struggled with lifelong anxiety, and I find that when I partner CBD with all my other mental wellness rituals like moving my body and yoga and good sleep and eating well and journaling, I legit feel unstoppable and a lot more zen. Soul CBD is my go-to. Now, if you follow me on Instagram stories, you know I'm always posting uh, about them and you'll always see me sort of using them. I'm specifically obsessed with their non-toxic CBD bath bombs and their 1500 milligram, yes, 1500 milligram CBD tincture drops, which is a staple in our house. One drop of peppermint under my tongue every morning for 60 seconds. It is a game changer and bonus. Uh, they just came out with immunity, which is a CBD powered immunity booster. Uh, perfect for today's day and age. Each capsule contains 25 milligrams of CBD, a thousand IUs of vitamin D, which is so important. I live in Ohio. Gotta get my vitamin D as much much as I can. 500 milligrams of vitamin C, 10 milligrams of zinc, so important, especially with uh, the virus, elderberry, great for the virus, and skull cap to improve your immune system so you can stay healthy and confidently conquer your day or just whatever you have going on in your life, homeschool, carpool, uh, virtual life, Zooms. Oh my gosh, so much we have to do and all it takes 
is one a day, which is my favorite. And guess what? Soul CBD has given all Fear Bosses 10% off anything you want. I'll link up to them in the show notes, but just use Fear Boss at checkout to go get you some. If you've ever wanted to explore or try CBD, this is a great way to start. What do you have to lose? And Christmas is coming up. Might as well put it under the tree, light a candle, and then catch a vibe. There's a section in your book where it's titled um, the two words that change everything or two words that can change everything. And for you, they are what if, which for me, they would be yes. And hence the name of this show, because what if they feel similar to me? Would you agree this idea of exploring possible like what if my book became a bestseller? What if I got on Oprah's stage? What if I had a top 10 podcast. What if I had boundless energy and health, you know, that allows me to live with ease? What if, what if, what if? And yes, and feels very similar to that because when we say yes, and we say, yes, I, I see this. I see you. I accept this. I may not like it. I may not agree with it. And here's how I'm going to disseminate yeah. that information. Here's what I'm going to do with it. So I wrote that down to talk about because don't, do they feel similar to you? What if? And yes, and to me, they open the door of possibility. They do. They absolutely open the door of possibility. If you choose to see it that way, because what if could mean, oh my God, what if the world ends? What if I, my book sucks? What if I get trolls? Like it could go one of two ways. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what I like to warn people about. What if, and a lot of people like to talk about what if, as if it's always positive, but again, your imagination is always asking what happens next in this story. It's always asking what if. And so we really need to control how we use our what ifs um, and make sure that we're using them for the future instead of for the past and making sure that we use them in optimistic, hopeful ways instead of using what I consider and call to be a destructive imagination. Um, mm. And so, yeah, I completely agree. I don't think it's possible to live a life where you have the ability to say yes and without taking back control of your imagination and controlling how you ask mm. what if. I love it. Have you, by the way, ever done any improv theater? I know, you know, with your performance background, have you ever done improv? I'm curious. Yeah, there's been a little bit of improv. Uh, you know, my background is in magic and illusion. And so yeah. as, as a professional magician or illusionist, um, there's actually quite a bit of improv based improvisation taking place. And so um, some of the workshops I've gone through are related to um, how to deal with an audience volunteer on stage, because mm. in the context of a magic show, you have sort of a couple different types of performance and some are the scripted parts where you're performing an illusion, you're creating an experience, you're telling a story, doing a trick, and all that is planned. You're sort of following the script. The moment you say, hey, do we have any volunteers that want to participate and come up on stage? The script gets thrown out the window. You can try to hold on to a script, um, but instantly you have to learn how to improvise because you don't know what that volunteer is going to do. So good. So good. Um, you know, th that is a big part of my work, bringing volunteers on stage in front of thousands of people. Now we're doing it virtually and it's not the same, but it's so much fun. It's we can still get the ideas across, but it's not the same. By the way, I have to tell you, I travel tomorrow for the first time since March. I'm on stage oh, awesome. Awesome. in Texas tomorrow awesome. uh, or sorry, it. Thursday. I'm on stage and I know you've traveled. How was that for you? How did it feel? Give me some tips. Yeah, I think it's been fine. You know, I I. I don't want to get political, I don't, but I don't yeah. think this is political. There's been no. a lot of coalitions of everything from doctors to virologists to epidemiologists to psychologists um, who are saying, hey, this is not a Trump thing or a Biden thing. This is not yeah. a presidential thing. This is a life thing. We have to get back to living healthy lives, which means yeah. that we have to learn how to live with this virus. And so I've always been in the camp that we must be responsible and travel with empathy and regardless of your take on masks or no masks, um, it's there's still a, a part of living an empathetic life in response to the other fellow Americans that are around you. And so wear a mask, keep your distance, wash your hands. But if you follow the guidelines, it is very possible to leave your home, live a responsible life, but also do that in community with other people and get back to things like live events. I took my family to Disney World in Florida. I support I the that. fact that they're open and the fact they're yeah. doing Responsibly. Does it feel like the happiest place on earth anymore? <laughs> I don't know. That's another debate. It's weird when you're standing in a line for an hour wearing a mask in 90 degree heat in the central part of Florida, right? That's another whole conversation, right. but they're open and they're putting people back to work and they're allowing people to get out of their houses Amen. and create memories together as a family. And it's up to us to choose how we respond to that. Damn. Um, I'm excited that you're on a plane. 
Uh, Harris, I love what you just said. I mean, my, my entire, I mean, like you, you know, we work as, as performers, speakers, and so traveling is a big part of what we do, but it's affected the core of my life from my, my husband got furloughed. I talked about this on our pivot show. So he's, you know, out of work right now, pretty much everyone. I know I have a lot of friends who are multiple family households, like both of them are in the hotel and, and conference industry. And so people are struggling to pay mortgages. And, and so yes, trap figure out how to live with it, but travel smartly, travel with empathy. I love the way you said that and just be smart. And I can't wait. I told my husband, I go, I can't wait to do this in Texas. It's a ballroom for 1800. Normally they have 1800 people, but it's going to be 600. Yeah, y'all 600 people. I'm going now. I'm going to be on stage. I'll probably be one of the safer people. Right. (laughs) But everybody's masks, temperatures, uh, sponsored by Houston University's medical facility. And so we're going to be socially distanced and smart. Yet I told my husband, I go, I can't wait to come back with that positive story. Like I'm proud to lead the way on that on behalf of the meetings industry to say, you can do this. You can get back to community. You can get back to your life and you can do it with empathy and grace and confidence and curiosity. And you can live with this. You can live with this but be smart. So I had to tell you, I was super pumped to tell you because you know, I I was struggling like mentally. It's been hard for me to be off the road, Harris. Like I, I might not make my, like, I'm like, how am I going to open my talk? Like I'm, I don't know. I I don't know. I'm, I'm worried. I'll be overcome with like emotion and I don't know what's going to happen, but you know, you'll do it with vulnerability, you know, submit to that part of the process and that part of yeah. the story and, and be honest be about pumped. where you're at. Yeah. yeah. I read an article the other day that the air on airplanes that we breathe yeah. is now safer than the air that we're breathing in grocery stores. Damn right. So if you're willing to go grocery shopping, there's no right. reason you're not able to step onto an airplane. A hundred, a hundred percent. Okay. So Harris, I want to have a conversation with you about cynicism. Okay. So (laughs) you wrote, um, by the way, I was just listening to a bit of optimism with Seth Goat, or sorry, we were talking about Seth, Simon Sinek before I got on the air with you and he was on with Adam Grant and it's just such a beautiful episode, but they were talking about being optimistic and how he's like, Mr. Optimism, Simon Sinek and Adam Grant goes, have you ever considered the fact that your last name is Sinek? Like your last name is Sinek. And I just had never in all the years I've been following, you know, Simon Sinek and loving his work. I have and how optimistic he is. His last name is Sinek. Isn't that just epic? Anyway, I've never thought about that either. Isn't that classic? Okay, good. I'm not alone. So, okay. So (laughs) one of the things that I wanted to talk about was on page 11. Page 11 of your book, I think every word on that page is highlighted for me, Um, but I'm obsessed with your your perspective on cynicism and how you define it as fear posing as confidence. I thought that was so good. And you have this conversation a little bit. It feels like you're alluding to the fact that wonder could possibly be a cool anecdote to anxiety and to worrying about things that haven't happened yet. Like turning on that wonder switch could almost ease someone's anxiety. So let's talk a little bit about cynicism and how you deal with the cynics in your life while protecting your energy. Do you find yourself in that space or are you able to just get rid of all the cynics and those energy vampires and just live with like the butterflies and the rainbows? Like how do you deal with difficult people? I used to do that. I used to just annoy them, cut them out of my life, say, I have no space for this. Uh, There's no room in my life for all you cynical naysayers. Um, And now, like so much of my journey uh, could be summarized over the last few years of of moving from uh, a season where I sucked at empathy to learning um, about the role and the power of empathy as a leader. And it has transformed my life. It's why I talk so much about empathy and its power. But Um, yeah. So I think now, instead of being annoyed by them, I sort of look at them with compassion and empathy and go, man, now I understand that the reason you're so cynical is you're just scared. Um, that deep inside of you is this scared little kid. And I don't mean that in a condescending way because that little inner child is inside of all of us, but a child who is still simply afraid over a part of your narrative that was broken as a result of trauma. And if I could just sit down with you and be able to identify that lie that untrue story that you're telling yourself about that traumatic experience, uh, then maybe we could correct that and replace that lie with the truth and get you back to wonder. Because, you know, I use the metaphor of a switch, obviously, since the book is 
uh, called the wonder switch. But I think wonder is like a light switch on the wall. And we're all born with that switch turned on. Wonder is our natural state. We come into this world not cynical, which means we come into this world seeing magic and possibility mm. everywhere. And when that inciting incident that leads to trauma happens and we're incapable or equipped to respond to that trauma, when that wonder switch gets turned off and it gives birth to all those lies and that shame and sometimes addiction, um, that's a pretty dark place. And all of those fears and anxiety combined lead to a pretty cynical lifestyle. And it's just not a fun, healthy way to live um, because we can't, we become paralyzed by that fear. And ultimately I think it leaves us stuck in complacency. To me, the opposite of being stuck in complacency is being driven by curiosity is that wonder in action. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, it's just, it's not a fun way to live, but to answer your question more directly, where I used to be annoyed, I'm now somewhat compassionate because I understand that that cynicism is simply them being afraid. Yeah. Fear. And so much of the things, you know, with Nate, whether you're negative, cynical, um, glass half full, um, so much of that is rooted in fear. So there's this great uh, story. My best friend told me uh, they lost their first daughter. OK, so Olivia would have been 10 this year and uh, Jody lost her two weeks after she was born. And so at Jody's on the closet floor just having a moment, right? 30 days after everything had happened and Adam, her husband walks into the, the closet, picks her up off the floor and he says, listen, Jody, we have a choice here. We can be the parents who lost Olivia or we can be Olivia's parents. And Jody's like, that forever changed my perspective on perspective. And, you know, Think about how we can use that thought process when handling cynics, but also when, when handling trauma and, and what we're in right now, like I'm on this quest to be like, how can I make COVID? How could you make this diagnosis, this failed relationship, this broken situation that you're in the best fucking thing that ever happened to you? And that is what inspires me. That is something that I use to combat uh, those negative things that are happening. And I just always go back to that story. I mean, this is deep loss, losing a child and yeah. they picked themselves up off the bathroom floor and they said, no, we're not going to be a victim to this. We're not going to be a victim to what's going on in the world or what may happen to us that we have no control over. And this is what, where I go with the presidential thing, right? Like no one person is going to determine my destiny. I control my destiny. And no matter who gets into this office, who becomes elected now and into the future, I write that story. So back to the power of rewriting stories. You put a couple prompts in your book. Say there's someone listening right now who's like, how do I rewrite my story? Like, where do I even begin? You suggest a couple of questions that people could use. And I did this as a journaling exercise. After I read that section of your book, I went and just opened up a notebook the next morning and just decided to write my answers to a few of the questions that you wrote in your book about rewriting some of those negative stories that we tell ourselves about who we were and um, where we believe we can go. Uh, do you, could you share a couple of those offhand? I was trying to find the page in your book. If you have a memorized, I would be very impressed, but you sure. know the part I'm talking about, right? Where you give uh, some- Probably, there's a lot of questions throughout the book. One of the first ones that comes to mind are, are typically just prompts that help you identify what that part of your story was where everything yes. changed. Yes. So, you know, it's like, tell me a story about a time when everything changed. Yes. Tell me a story about a time where that completely transformed your life that left you never the same. Um, stories equal change. Um, that's what a story is. And uh, all of our favorite films are simply our favorites, not because the character had an easy life, but because they overcame the conflict mm -hmm. or the struggle in their story. And we can relate to that as human beings because we all have that same conflict in our stories. And so there's a lot of value in trying to identify what those inciting incidents are um, that wreak the havoc that eventually led to turning the wonder switch off. Because I get asked all the time, how do I become optimistic? How do I find hope? How do I turn my wonder back on? How do I become a curious person? And it's people always searching for the thing that they want, but they never do the hard work or oh. radical self-inquiry necessary to identify the thing that's getting in the way, right? So if wonder is your natural state, if you were born with the wonder switch turned on, then to reawaken your wonder is less about figuring out how do I turn the switch on and identifying what's turning it off. Mm. And so all those prompts are designed to take you to 
unfortunately, what for a lot of people are some pretty dark places. Yeah. Um, but I told you earlier that trauma is stored in the lower third limbic system part of our brains. So that is active storytelling. So to take your friend's example, you know, when they lost their child, anything that brings back that experience of that trauma makes their brain go, oh, that's happening now. But they weren't losing her now. They lost her 10 years ago. And so she's no longer with them. That is permanent. But the loss was an event. The loss wasn't taking place in year 10, even though you can still feel the effect of that. And so what healthy therapists do is move that trauma, what my friend Mark says, up and to the left. And by that, I simply mean it allows you and equips you to, instead of trying to cope with something that feels like it's constantly happening, you can put it in the proper place in your brain as a memory and go, we, we honor the reality of that experience. It did happen. The pain associated with it is real, but pain is different from suffering. Pain is very real. Suffering is the story that we give to our pain to make sense of it. And the suffering doesn't have to continue because we can honor the fact that it happened, but it's not still happening now, which means you equip your brain to no longer go, that thing's happening again. It did happen. It's not necessarily happening now. And so to write those parts of our stories, we have to identify them. In my experience, they all fall into uh, really three big categories of lies. Um, and once we identify those lies, only then can we correct it. It's like someone trying to build, they're like, we need to renovate this house because this house isn't healthy. It's like falling apart. And so they tear this old falling apart house down and then they rebuild a new one and it starts falling apart again. You're like, well, well I don't understand what's happening. I renovated, I put up new whatever, but they didn't realize there was a crack in the foundation. And like every good builder knows you have to fix the foundation and have a healthy foundation before you can build something, um, well on top of it. And so to me, that's the equivalent of not doing the work to fix the cracks. That's not doing the work to identify the lies that are getting in the way. Instead, we just write down the truth, put it on a post-it note on our computer or write it in lipstick on our bathroom mirror and call it an affirmation. But you're affirming something that's true, but your mind can't receive that truth because it conflicts with the story that you're already telling yourself. Mm. So we can't just insert a new story. We have to rewrite the old one that's getting in the way. So good. And this right here is a Harris mic drop moment. The, I could literally talk to you all day. I mean, it, it, you're, you're just so wise and so um, brave and so thoughtful. And I just feel so honored uh, to know you and to be a part of the story community. And I'm so glad um, our paths have crossed and uh, before I get you out of here, I got to end with some really fun questions because I want to get into your brain, if that's okay with you. Yeah. Well, before you do, let me uh, yeah. say the same thing. Likewise, it's been oh. an honor to to have a little glimpse into your story and to be a really small part of that. Really proud of the work you're doing. It's so important. And to all the listeners out there, if this is the first time they're listening to this episode, um, I would just encourage them to stay plugged in because as someone who has gotten a look behind the curtain um, at the quote unquote real Judy, I can, I can confirm that the real Judy is the one that you're listening to and experiencing right now. There's not a on off switch that you flip when you go on mic or on camera. And that's really awesome to see that kind of integrity in play. Um, and so thank you for the, the story that you live by example. I'm not crying. You're crying. <laughs> uh, thank you. I receive that. That means the world to me coming from you. And Harris is speaking the truth there. He has seen all the tears Harris has seen and the transformation over the years and just proud to know you, my friend. And thank you for the gift of your work, this book, y'all. If you haven't go get this book, all the things about Harris, who he is, where to find him, how to buy the book, and specifically the conference that transformed my life the most uh, over the last decade, his conference, a conference called Story, really. And I, I bet you hate me even saying that because it's really our conference. It's everybody who yes. attends conference because it's such a gift and you took it virtual for the first time and it was spectacular. So I congratulate you on that. It was just so lovely, so needed, so beautiful. I cannot wait to be in person, hopefully next year and um, get back into that room because it's it's one of my favorite things I do every year. So thank you for creating that conference. And like I said, it's an I'll honor. link up. Yeah, I'll link up in the show notes on all the things to find Harris. But let's get let's let's wrap things up with a little fear boss swagger here. I want to know. What is a song like we love music? OK, and I am so big on music being energy. So what's a hype song that you like literally play and you're instantly in a vibe? Do you have a hype I'm shocked song? by this uh, is the Interstellar soundtrack. 
What? It's a Nolan film. I know. No, no. that is amazing. <laughs> okay, I love it. I did not expect that, but yet it's so perfect and so epic. Okay, what about a purchase? So what is the best purchase you've made under a hundred bucks in the last six months? That is a tough one. Sounds surprising, probably. I'm going to go with uh, Merino Wool. Um, this t-shirt that I wear, I wear the same black V-neck t-shirt every day. You've probably yeah. never seen me wear anything else. No, never. Um, but if people have not discovered the magic of Merino wool, um, they are missing out in life and it is like, it's miracle fabric. And so I'm, I know you have both men and women listening, but yeah, for, all, you. for all the women listening right now, they're going to feel a little bit grossed out by this. Um, I'm going to guess on this, but I've probably worn this t-shirt this is probably like every day in a row for going on maybe almost two weeks. No way. And it's like, <laughs> that's epic. Well, this and then getting the reaction and seeing their face, like what does your wife like still love you? Like what? <laughs> what is, and when I say it's miracle fabric, literally I take it off at night. I hang it up in the closet. It air dries out. True story. Um, I, I didn't used to own a ton of these because they're just under hundred bucks. They're a little kind of expensive for a t-shirt. Um, however, we're on a cruise. This was like a year ago and that was kind of new to Merino wool. Um, and while we're on the cruise, I secretly, I, well, not too secretly, but I, I wore the shirt for like four or five days. We're in the Mediterranean. I'm sweating every single day. We're out on these tours, right? I come back every night. I hang the shirt up. Well, I took the shirt that I'd worn for multiple days in a row that I'd sweated in. I folded it up. I put it in my suitcase. The next morning, um, I made, I was like, Hey babe, and then I like leaned over and smelled my suitcase. And then I pulled out this shirt that felt that was folded. That looked like it was fresh and hadn't been worn yet. It just came out of the wash. No folded. And I was like, I think my laundry, did you wash all this stuff before we leave? She's like, yeah. And I threw it to her. And I was like, do you smell anything? And she's like, no, I don't smell anything at all. I was doing everything in my power to like plant the seed of like confirmation bias to see if I could get her. It's and classic. she's like, no, babe, this smells perfectly clean. Like it just came out of the wash. And I was like, that's the same t-shirt I've been wearing for the last five days in a row and been sweating in and it smelled totally fresh. So are you if you look kidding? up Merino wool online, I'll link up. Yeah. There's people that are just like, you know, my wife thinks it's witchcraft. My girlfriend can't believe it, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. That's awesome. Um, advertising, yeah. by the way, hopefully they use that in all their social media because that is brilliant. <laughs> and hello, this is dropping Thanksgiving week, by the way. So Wednesday of Thanksgiving week, the day before Thanksgiving is your episode. And uh, guess what? Hello, Christmas gifts. Now I think I know <laughs> something to add to my husband's list. So thank you for that. I'm so glad I asked. Um, I want to throw one curveball question. I'm going to sub one out because we talk a lot about fear experiments and getting uncomfortable and smash comfort zones. So when was the last time you've gotten uncomfortable outside of your comfort zone? When was the last time you've conducted what we call a fear experiment? <laughs> I released a book. Yeah, uh, duh. 30 days ago. Yeah. And instead of canceling my conference, we did it anyway. Yeah. Um, yeah. Every day. <laughs> yeah. Good. Do you hear that everybody? Every day. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, every good. day I wake up good. and do something that is courageous that I might mm. fail at um, because I understand that to practice that something requires failure. And so I have to fail my way to success. It's the only way to get there. And so, so to good. achieve and live out the story that I want to live quite simply requires me to step out and do courageous things every single day. So good. Yes, yes, yes. And what is a high performance habit? Because we're, we're always talking about like, Mm. bravery is awesome. And people come to our community because they want to be braver and they want to smash comfort zones and do all this cool stuff. They want more freedom, but what they find out they really need is energy, focus, stamina, and, and the high performance habits that are going to get you brave and keep you brave. We are obsessed with high performance habits in the, in the community. And mm -hmm. as, um, yes, Anders, if you I will, did I just coin, did I just rename the, we're the yes, Anders now too. We're fear <laughs> bosses, but we're yes, Anders. So what is a high performance habit, Harris, that uh, you so cannot live without? I know it's hard to pick one, isn't it? I would have to say daily rituals. Um, mm. daily rituals completely transformed my life because it allowed me to live intentionally, um, and be, have a much higher success rate at forming the habits that I want to be able to form. Um, and to, to, to give you a glimpse on how extreme this is for me, my morning ritual is two and a I half hours know. long, two and a half hours <gasps> long. And people hear that and they freak out and they're like, how do you have time to get anything done? Are, like you're one of the most productive people I know. How are you so productive if you spend two and a half 
hours, the first two and a half hours of your day on all these rituals. And it's because I am productive the rest of my day as a result of a very intentional two and a half hour long ritual. Now that in, like 35 minutes of that two and a half hours is taking my kids to school. 30 minutes of it includes showering and getting ready and taking care of my uh, body and dressing for the day. Um, so there are chunks of time in there, but by putting them as a part of a ritual, it allows me to start my day um, the same way with a routine and finish my day with a routine. And I'm telling you, once you form those daily rituals and the habits that support them, when you start missing them, it can put you in a funk real quick because you begin to see the contrast. And then it's hard to not realize what an impact it has on your day. A hundred percent. I have to say daily rituals. So good. Your vibe, your energy uh, directly affects your ability to thrive in this life. And I say that from the rooftops. I've been saying it for years. And I think if there's one thing that like you has has made me successful and has helped me sustain success, whatever success looks like for you, maybe it's being able to stay at home with your kids or just moving around with ease or losing weight, whatever success looks like for you, it is impossible to thrive in life if you are not taking seriously your mental, physical, and emotional well-being. And yo, a lot of people freak out. You've got the two and a half hours. People freak out that most days, most days, not all the all the time, but most days, 90-ish percent of the time, I do not look at my email until noon. Mm-hmm. I am getting that most creative, important, um, thought-provoking work done First, and that does include moving my body and showering and and thinking and having coffee with my husband. Like that matters, right? And so most high performers are having answers like Harris just gave. And I, I'm so glad you are obsessed with morning rituals too, because I am yeah. the same. You, uh, what doesn't get scheduled or written down or planned realistically yeah. just doesn't happen. Yeah. Uh, you know, it doesn't, it will never. Story, but you're leaving it up to fate and chance. I mean, chance mm-hmm. is a really terrible writer. Uh, and so you have to sort of co-write your story alongside faith and chance and whatever so happens around you, but you got to be intentional and write it down every step. My, my evening ritual includes put phone on charger <laughs> the next morning. Like, yeah. And it's, it's like literally one minute. Cause I time it all out. It's less than one minute, but I decided I don't want my phone directly within reachable. Yep. I don't data. either. And that has recently, we reworked some things around and I just got the new phone. And as a result, re- and I'm trying to rework my chargers. And so I don't have it set up on my bathroom vanity the way I want it to yet, which means I am noticing that part of my evening ritual having an impact, the negative impact, mm. because now when I wake up in the morning, uh, instead of my watch vibrating, waking me up within a window of when I'm not in room sleep, I'm just having to like reach for my phone and boom, I'm in notifications. I see Instagram, I see email. I can't, yeah. It'll jack you up. It's like a slot machine and they're designed to distract you. They're designed to addict you. And once you realize it's like picking up a cigarette, it's like going for the drink. It's whatever it is. It is like that. It is. I think I used to smoke back. If you can believe it back, back, back when it was cool. I don't know if it was ever cool, but I grew up in the (laughs) nineties. Okay. And you know, I made the dumb decision to do that and I didn't smoke for long, but I think about it that way. Like when I'm reaching for my phone or I'm feeling extra anxious or I'm not getting projects done or I'm behind. I'm like, well, dude, what have I been doing? I've been sitting here picking up the cigarette every 30 seconds, trying to get those likes or that validation that I don't fucking need. I don't need it. What I need to do is sit down and do the work. Yeah. And there are quite a few studies that correlate the addiction to like the way that our brain lights up in response to a notification or a like on Instagram is as addictive as substances like cocaine. Um, and so if cocaine is addictive and hard to break uh, an addiction to imagine how hard it is to break that addiction with our phones. Um, oh my God. We just got to recognize that. Yeah. hundred percent. Okay. Final question. So the name of this show is yes. And with Judy Holler. Okay. When I offer up the term yes. And to you, what does it mean to have a yes. And mindset? Hmm. So many things come to mind. I think the the thing that maybe is my unique take on it. Uh, in the book, I talk a lot about the difference between wow and how, and how we often, there's a time for each, and we're all sort of inclined to lead with one or the other. I lead with wow. My wife, Kate, for example, leads with how. Um, without her, I'd be dead and bankrupt in a ditch somewhere because <laughs> she's able to identify, hey, have you thought about this? It's like, 
no, I haven't thought about that. I'm blind to it all because all I see is possibility, right? Mm -hmm. And so people who see nothing but possibility, wow leaders, they need how people to hold them accountable and point things out. The problem is, is a lot of big ideas have been howled to death because you introduce how too quickly in the creative process. And a lot of that is in our language. And again, I unpack those ideas and talk about it in the book. Um, but to me, yes, and means to be able to identify something that maybe you don't see um, fully yet, or you don't embrace the reality of yet, or it may not be an idea that you can get behind yet as a power of yet, but it's being able to identify that in the process of creativity and go, yes, and what if we did this? Um, and so to me, it's all about, instead of making declarative statements about why something won't work, to be able to keep the what if open and be able to learn to say yes and instead. Mm, so beautiful. What a way to close us out. Harris, thank you for the gift of you. Thank you for the gift yeah. of your beautiful book. And uh, thank you for being here on the Yes And Show. It's my pleasure. Thanks for having me on. <laughs> Peace out. Okay, Fear Boss. I mean, what do you think? I mean, wasn't that something? I hope you loved my chat with Harris as much as we loved making it for you. And I hope you're ready to turn your wonder switch on and fight for your right to keep it on. Tag me on Instagram when you listen and even better, send me a DM or an email letting me know what you want to see me cover, talk about, or discuss on the Yes And Show. You can send an email anytime to hello at judyholler.com or find me in the DMs on any of the social media. And oh, by the way, links to all the things discussed today are in the show notes. Thanks for listening. Thanks for sharing this podcast with your buds. And as always, thank you for reviewing on iTunes. Until next week, keep saying yes and stay brave.